I'm just not the same human I was five years ago and in only good ways In only good right. ways. I'm so much more confident and comfortable in myself. And that's what allows that ego to kind of, you know, dwindle away and will allow me to ask these questions to get answers to things that I don't know. It's like, you don't have to pretend to know everything. You don't have to pretend to be this expert. You don't have to focus on this 20% you didn't reach and instead focus on the 80% that you did and how impressive that is and then set your next goal right. and move on and don't, you know, don't dwell on things. And Yavitz Djurjevic, The Road Less Babbled. Thanks for joining us. Got Kevin with me. Kevin was one of the OG interviews. I mean, way back in the day. I think maybe, I, I don't know what exact episode, but probably 16, 17, 18. Yeah, something early on. I think we were like, I want to say it was right around four years ago. Yeah, it, 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 that sounds about right. And then you interviewed me for one of the episodes. Like I did like a little uh, interview special where like the one year anniversary of what was millennial manhood back then. Um, but this actually, it's, it's kind of interesting. This is one of the favorite things about the podcast to me is like, you and I have become friends. Yeah. Um, we've seen each other multiple times in person and grab beers and broken bread and text each other and have had, you know, some business conversations. Anyway, it, it's just really cool to, to look at that. Like the world that we live in where, you know, a random connection from a guy I cold called who was also on the podcast who you went to college with. Yeah, uh, it's nuts. So what the, is that how it happened? You cold called Rafael? Yes, I was looking for people. Uh, by the way, shout out to Rafael Cayasso, boy out in Louisville. Uh, I was looking for people who had written a book geared towards millennials when I first mm. started. And I found him on LinkedIn and I I either sent him a message or I got his number that was on LinkedIn and I just called him. I don't remember which one exactly happened. So he got on a pod podcast. Him and I built up a relationship. We became friends, mm -hmm. seen, e seen each other in person multiple times, all that good stuff. Uh, you guys went to college, connected us, and I think that's how, uh, how it happened. Yeah, he connected you to me. And then what's even funnier is um, Stephen and I have become friends through your podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And both oh. y'all are in Nashville, but you know, um, he does all my suits. I've seen him a couple of times when I'm down there. I've obviously seen you when I'm down there, um, waiting for you to come up here. I know it's hard right now with the little one, but it is kind of crazy, man. It's, it's, I don't know. And not to get like sentimental, but for the audience, we don't mean like friends, like, uh, you know, we know each other, like we're friends. We text each other about random things. We're thinking right. about starting podcasts together. Like, right it's kind of nuts it's wild yeah well and it's been cool watching you I'm, i was excited um to do this episode because i know so much has changed so so first things first like go back and listen to the episode i'll, I'll figure out what what number it was but like kevin started a freaking sock company okay which <laughs> when when somebody tells you that you're like okay there's no way that's gonna work and it freaking worked and i've got so many pairs of these socks um at, at this point and and i absolutely love them and just the story's been awesome. So I guess go go back in time, give the ten thousand foot view. Who's Kevin? Why are you here? You know, why do we initially, you know, have a conversation, talk about Southern Scholar, all that good stuff? Sure. Um, by the way, I think we're I was episode twenty. Episode twenty. Boom. There you go, guys. September twenty sixth, twenty eighteen. So like literally almost on the dot of four years. Um, yeah, we probably recorded it in late August. 
if I'd guess. Yeah. Oh yeah. Good point. So yeah, my name is Kevin Woolman. I run Southern Scholar. Um, essentially, we are a premium menswear accessories brand. We started out as a premium men's sock subscription, and we've slowly kind of transitioned into ties and pocket squares. Um, and our socks are now available not just through the subscription. Um, but yeah, I mean, just kind of like you obviously said, uh, you tell somebody you own a sock company or you started a sock company, you're starting a sock company and you always get the funniest responses. And it's like that with a million different things. But, um, I might've told this story on the last podcast. I can't recall. If not, I might've told you, Yavitsa, but I actually quit my first job out of college on my one year anniversary. I had already been working on, on Southern Scholar kind of nights and weekends for about a year, actually exactly a year. Um, and I, my last day of my job was the last Thursday of July. I flew to Vegas to celebrate. A bunch of my family and friends were out there. And then when I returned on Monday, you know, that was my first day officially as my own boss and whatever. Um, but funny enough, I told a friend of some friends in Vegas, or I was telling everybody at dinner, we're at this nice dinner. I'm telling them all, yeah, I just quit this financial accounting job to start this sock company. And this guy who I have never met, who was 20... 30 years older than me cuts me off and literally goes socks socks. <laughs> you think you're going to make a living selling socks. You quit your job to sell socks. And his language was a little more colorful. Um, but I literally, I just kind of smiled and said, yes. And you know, he actually, I'm, I'm not going to do a whole little impression of him but he slammed the table he's yelling socks socks like making kind of a scene in this nice restaurant and i just remember kind of smiling leaning back in my chair grabbing my phone and i typed down word for word what he said Ooh, and that was eight years ago seven years ago seven eight years ago it's all rolling together at this point but i typed down exactly what he said in my phone um and a few years ago, I hit a milestone and I just pulled that up and started laughing. And I was like, I wrote this down because I knew that I would prove him wrong. And I did. You know what I mean? Have you ever spoken to him again? No, I have not. So you have no idea. Like, there's no, he has no idea how wrong he was. He probably doesn't even remember it. He does not remember it. There's no chance. He was uh, heavy on the booze that evening, as we all were in Vegas. But um, no, but his, the, the two friends of his that he was there with that are my friends, they are very well aware, um, of kind of where we're at. And so I don't know if they've ever mentioned anything to, to him. I don't know if they even remember it, but it's something that stuck with me, obviously enough for me to write it down and recall it several years later and go back and look at it when I hit that milestone. Um, but yeah, it, it's just people, I don't, I don't know how to like say this without, being rude, but people almost try and overemphasize what they do. We have all these, you know, crazy titles on LinkedIn now and this and that. And at the end of the day, man, if you're passionate about something, you can be successful in it. And I think I told you this on the first podcast, I'm passionate about business. I became passionate about socks specifically through this business. I was always passionate about business. I was always passionate in a way about menswear and style and things like that. But if you have a passion for problem solving, you can sell Ziploc bags and and make a great living and be happy, you know, and be challenged. Um, 
so yeah, it's sometimes the things that you think uh, least about um, can be some of the most successful, you know, ventures. 100%. It's so interesting too, because people don't think about all the different ways that people make money. And, and I talk about this on the podcast. I've, I've been blessed enough in my life to where my natural curiosity sometimes gets me into trouble, but most of the time actually gets me in front of really interesting people. Mm-hmm. And you would be blown away by some of the crap that I've seen people own businesses on. Like, the people who own the company that not makes the like the pole that a uh, street sign goes on and not the actual street sign, but the little connector between the two. Like there okay. is somebody out there owning a business and makes bukus of cash off of that. Yeah. And nobody would ever think about it. And, and the no. idea, the idea that socks somehow would be so offensive to somebody's sensibilities i guess it's because it's seen as maybe lower and lower lower uh, barrier to entry uh maybe but like people buy socks all the time what are you talking about all the time i mean at the end of the day it's more or less socks themselves are more or less a commodity right but right um you know i didn't invent the sock i just made the dress sock better you don't have to be first you just have to be better right um and so, yeah, I mean, there's a million different things. I have friends that own businesses. And when I try and explain to people, they're like, how do they make money doing that? Or why is nobody else doing that? And it's like, because people didn't think that they could do it, or they didn't think it would be successful, or they didn't think that industry would, you know, take over. And as long as you care about something, you put your time and your effort into it, and you're passionate into it, you can make anything work. All right. I got a question for you, because I just had this conversation with somebody the other day. So... I've been trying to marinate on this and, and, and really think through what it is, but I'll get, I'll give just a personal example. Like here in Nashville, I, I'm involved in the business community. I'm pretty involved, like in the nonprofit space, like just, it's really hard for me to go out into this metro area of 2 million people and not stumble across somebody I know, you know what Especially I mean? Like, someone like you. Yeah. Yeah. It just, it just, it just is a thing. Like I'm always connecting business deals. I'm just kind of how it worked out. And I've always been entrepreneurial. I've started several different business ventures. I've always been in some sort of sales, et cetera. And it got me thinking because I had I had uh, lunch with one of my friends who actually was interviewed on the podcast, uh, uh, Reggie. And uh, we're both members of this thing called Phoenix Club here in town. And we were kind of talking about, is it something in our blood or is it ego? Or what is it to where, <clears throat> like, I can't live in Nashville and, and quote, I don't, want, I don't want this to come up, but like, be a nobody in a crowd if that makes sense mm-hmm. it just like that's just not my that's just not my thing i can't go to work and then just hang out at the house and i love my family i spend a lot of time with my family i play with my kid i play you know with my dog i hang out with my wife we go on dates all the good things but like i need to be involved in things to where i'm in the know i'm connecting i'm always growing all the so so is it an ego thing is it a money thing is it a like genetics thing how do you feel about what I just said? Like, do you relate to any of that? Or? I relate a hundred percent to all of that. Yeah. Um, I think, I think it's situational, but I think it's a little bit of all for me. Like, so my dad owned his own businesses growing up or when I was growing up, I should say, um, still does still owns his own business. And I, the lifestyle that my parents lived, I think it ingrained it a little bit in me, but I was a quote unquote entrepreneur, for as long as I can remember. I mean, when I was like eight and nine years old, I was, I was, you know, writing my own comic book series, 
with the plan to sell it, which obviously I never did. I was nine. I love then, that. you know, lemonade stands. Then in middle school, I would go trick or treating with my friends. I would save all my candy until they ran out of theirs, and then I'd bring it to school and I'd sell it. We used to have this like band. Uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, you know, trying to raise money for the band. They would give mm -hmm. you this big suitcase, this little like cardboard suitcase that you'd carry on school and you would sell candy out of it. And you got like six of each item. And mm -hmm. I knew which items sold better than the others. So on the first day I would trade all of the other items two for one for the items that sold well. Then all of a sudden, I'm the only one with the items that sell well, and I would sell them for four times what you're supposed to. <laughs> Everything's supposed to be a dollar, right? Every piece, every little bag of candy or Snickers bar or whatever is supposed to be a dollar. But the, the I forget what it was, the sour something is what sold the best. And so I would trade two Snickers bars for one of those until I had all of those, and then I would sell them for four bucks. Yeah. So I'm winning that contest but I'm selling the least amount of candy. I'm just raising the most money. Now, was I pocketing some of that? I don't know. That's Maybe. for another day. <laughs> <laughs> Point is, I only owed back, you know, 30 pieces of candy. I owed back 30 bucks per little suitcase. And so I was given at least that back. But um, yeah, I don't know, just little things like that, man. And then I started a t-shirt company when I was 14 or 15. I ran that through halfway through college. I think I was 21 when I stopped that um so yeah it's always i feel like it's always been in me but to say that growing up and seeing that my dad was home when i got home from school my mom was home when i got home from school they never missed a hockey game they never missed the lacrosse game you know i played travel hockey so we're on the road all the time both of them could come never i don't i cannot recall a single time where i didn't sit down and have dinner with all four my brother right. and my mom and my dad like so it could have been growing up with that lifestyle, seeing the flexibility of, of you know, how my parents were living. Um, I never, I wouldn't say my family is like super well off by any means, but never once was I, you know, worried about my next meal or can we afford this or am I going to be able to do that? Like, so yeah, I think it's a combination, man. I think some people are born with it. I think certain things in your life kind of drive you towards that. I think personality types play a huge part in it. Like you said, like you're a busy dude. You're you're working. You got a wife. You got a kid. I know you as a person, so I know you're spending time with them. I know you're you know taking care of them, going on dates and and all that. But I know that when you do have that forty minutes of downtime, you're not on the couch watching Game of Thrones. You're researching something you're interested in. You're doing a podcast like this. You're networking with friends. Um, and there's so many other people that can't just be so go go go. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's, it's at times I'm jealous of the ability to disconnect on that front. Um, it's, it's more so just, I get so bored. Yeah. So easily. And I was also having this conversation with, I don't remember who, what interview it was, but we were talking about, um, like working from home, Uh huh. you know, <clears throat> for me, that's like a non-negotiable. I'm not going into an office. It's not happening. Yeah. But, uh, like zero circumstances am I ever going into an office ever again in my life. I am more than able and willing to get things done from the house. Uh, the fact that I can go at, you know, middle of the day and <clears throat> for 15 minutes, go play with my daughter. There's 
there's no chance in hell you'll get me to go to an office. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also recognize that it is like that is a very, very privileged mindset <laughs> in the sense sure. that like a lot, a, tons of people do not have um, that luxury. Right. That luxury. And and I, I do think back a lot. I, I've, I've talked to my wife about this a lot. You know, I've happened. I have happened to develop a certain set of skill sets that allow for me to have a certain level of freedom. Mm-hmm. But I can pretty much pinpoint moments in my life where I got lucky that fed those skill sets and got me to the point that I am. Like sure. 100%. I can, I can name them that if some of those experiences gone another way, who watch out completely different life. Yeah. Yeah, man. <laughs> the butterfly effect. Well, and it's, but like, I'll even, I'll use you as an example. Like, dude, you were in finance. Okay. This is like, that's, that's like what you're supposed to do when you get out of college. Right. All right. You were on the track. You leave that. You start a freaking sock company in your bartending. All right. To make, yeah. I don't know if any of y'all listening have worked in restaurants or at bars, but that sucks. Like there's some, yeah. fun, but generally it sucks. No, it sucks. Um, yeah. I bartended nights and weekends for, oh man, I don't know, four, the first four years of this business. Cause I didn't cut myself. A, when we talked last August or September of 18, I hadn't even cut myself my first paycheck yet. Right. I started working on this business in July of 2014. So you were paying bills off of? Oh no, July make... 20. Yeah, July 2014. I was paying my bills off of bartending nights and weekends, and I was reinvesting everything, all of the revenue from the company back into the company to grow it. Um, and then shortly after we talked last December of 18, I closed a small private equity round. Mm-hmm. Um, basically just enough money to allow me to stop bartending nights and weekends and put in all of my time into Southern scholar. Um, now while I was bartending nights and weekends, I was our, I was still working 60 hours a week on my company. I was like literally draining myself. Um, not yeah, you sleeping. were mailing things like out of your living room. Like you were packaging was, boxes. Mm-hmm. The first, oh man, the first at least three years I was packaging all the boxes. And I think it got to a point where um, the fulfillment side alone was taking up so much time that I was just draining myself. I would get home from like a shift at the bar at six in the morning and I would just know how many packages I had to get out for that you know week or that month or whatever it was. And I would go into my office and I would pack boxes until 10 in the morning. And then I would sleep until noon and get up and pack a bunch of boxes before I had to go back into work at four. And it was miserable, um, but it was necessary at the time. Um, and actually, that's kind of a lead into what I want to talk about a little bit today is just the transition from 100% of my awake breathing time has to be spent go, 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 grind, grind, grind mm. um, to where I am now. And with that, how metrics within my business have changed for the better because of that lifestyle change. All right. Um, let's, let's hear about the lifestyle business, man. Yeah, man. I'm. It's a whole different thing now. It's been a whole different thing for about, I would say, 18 months has been the real transition. But, you know, slowly for the past two-ish, two and a half years. Um, I mean, dude, I was, I was legitimately working 100-hour weeks for years between the two jobs. And then when it was just the one job after 2018, um, 
still 60, 70 hours a week, every week, just grind, 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 doing everything myself. Um, I've just kind of matured as an entrepreneur and a business owner and, and kind of come to understand that the amount of time spent in your business is not necessarily going to increase the output of your business. Mm-hmm. Um, Efficiency. Yeah. So while we've been chatting here, now that we figured out the last time we talked, I, I looked up some quick numbers from from the end of September of 18 to the end of September of 2022, we've had an 800% increase in trailing 12 month revenue. Whoa. Um, from those same dates, a 982% increase in gross profit. I would venture to say that my percentage of time spent in the business has decreased by about (laughs) 2000%. So if anybody wants to get peanut butter and jelly AF quick, go follow uh, Kevin on, (laughs) on Instagram and look at all those trips. (laughs) Yeah. You have to understand that for, you know, four, five, six years, I could not go on vacation. I like, I think the first four or five years I was in this business, I only went back home to see my family, which is a three hour flight, like three times. Mm. Um, So now that I'm at that point where I'm realizing that there are certain things that need to be done in order to move the needle. Mm -hmm. And there are other things that you tell yourself need to be done, but really just create busy work for yourself. Right. Separating those frees up a bunch of time which gives you a minute to go on vacation, to go see friends, to go to dinner, to get in bed at a decent hour, to sleep a full eight hours in a night. Um, It just frees up all this time. And then all of a sudden, the next day when you're on your laptop and you're working, what you complete in four hours is so much more than what I used to complete in 10. Obviously, there's another end to that, that I've been doing this for so long that things don't take me as long. And I know kind of an efficient way to go about the five or six things I need to do each day that really do move the needle. And I'm not filling the remaining time with just busy work. But the combination of all that has has completely changed my lifestyle in and outside of work mm. um, and, and has provided me a shit ton more freedom the last you know 18 months to two years um and it's been an incredible change for my mental health for my well-being for my happiness and in turn a significant change in how well the business is doing um so don't get me wrong there's a time and a place for the go 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 grind 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 don't stop at the beginning of a business venture especially like it's almost necessary to just kind of put all your time and effort into it. Um, But what you should be doing while you're doing that is putting in processes, looking for, um, you know, advice, recommendations from people who have already done this and been through this. And you can kind of get your business to a point where a lot of it is more or less automated. You have systems in place. And again, I've, I've mentioned like you've started to learn and prioritize what actually moves the needle and what isn't really doing anything but filling up space and time. Um, and you can get to a point where you're not working crazy amount of hours, but your business is doing better than ever. Um, and I think it's a combination of you being rested, you being happy, um, and also just kind of learning, you know, what needs to be done and what doesn't. I think that's so crucial in the sense that 
you know, we talked about me earlier, always being go, go, go in a lot of ways, but mm-hmm. it's go, go, go on my terms. Right. Like when I disconnect, I disconnect yeah. completely. Um, and that's kind of the thing that I'm trying to figure out is the reason I do work hard and the reason, like, I don't really care about money for the sake of money. I don't need a giant house. I want mm-hmm. money to buy me the freedom to go wherever I want, whenever I want. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's what motivates me. And that's what motivates me in the sense of like, you know, I look at my kid and any future kids that we have and any kids that they'll hopefully have. I want to have enough money to where, if God forbid, you know, my great grandchild has some sort of disease or something mm-hmm. that doesn't hinder the family from being able right. to do things. Right. You know, you admit you had mentioned earlier um, is entrepreneurship about ego or is like wanting to be successful about ego. And I think when you're young, I yes. think that's a big part of it. Um, I know it was for me. Yeah. I wanted to like be able to go out and tell people like, oh, yeah, I'm an entrepreneur. I own my own business. Right. You know, we're crushing it. We're growing so fast. I'm making so much money. I even set like. I set this just obscure goal when I was, I think, 13 or 15. I was in high school. I said that by the time I was 28, I wanted to make $800,000 a year. I don't know where that number came from. I don't know why I picked that, but that was the goal. Um, I didn't reach that goal. Um, I had a business by 28 that was worth over $800,000, but I was not making even close to $800,000 a year. Right. Um, but there was definitely an ego aspect of, I want people to look at me like I'm successful. I want them to be like, Oh, Kevin works so hard and he's built this business. He's grown. And that like, that goal has changed so immensely over the years. Like, do I want to be financially free? Absolutely. Do I consider myself financially free? Yeah. But my, my definition of financial freedom now is different than it was 10 years ago. Um, it's like you said, I want to be able to, go on vacation and not come home and have it be like, Oh my God, I, what did I just so do hard to make? Yeah. I spent so much money. I have to do this. I want to make sure that if, you know, my, my brother's about to have a daughter, if, if God forbid something like you said, or she wants to do something, you know, I can help with that. My parents mm-hmm. are getting up in age. I mean, they're not old by any means, but they're, you know, they're my parents. I'm 31. So there's going to come a time where they may need some help and, and I want to be able to help them the way that they helped me my whole life. Um, so yeah, do I want to make a lot of money? Yes. Is it so that I can go buy a Lamborghini and a mansion? No, it's, it's so that I can live on my terms. I can help out the people around me. Um, one of my goals from the very beginning was to prove that I could build a business on my own so that I could then bring friends along with me, start businesses mm. with friends, help take yes. them up. Um, one of the hardest things for me throughout this business, especially in the early years was, um, the capital side, raising capital, Mm -hmm. you know, getting loans to grow, things like that. I, I would love, I would absolutely love if a friend of mine or a young person like me, you know, who reached out, Hey, I'm starting this business and I'm looking for capital and I'm having so much difficulty finding it because I've never done this before and whatever. I would look at that person like, well, shit, man, nobody believed in me and look what I did. Let me talk to you and see if I think you have it. And, and if I can believe in you and I can help you along in this. Um, so that financial freedom, you know, the goal has, the goal is the same, but the, the reasoning is different. Um, really just to be able to help 
you know, bring people up, help people in your family, help your friends. Um, that's the new goal, right? That's what that right. financial freedom is for at this point. You struck something so powerful there that it resonated with me so much. I love being people's biggest cheerleader, man. I love learning how to do real estate and teaching my friends how to do it. I love, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I mean, like I'm, I'm in the middle. This isn't finalized. I may, may uh, do this development here. And I told my business partner, I was like, dude, like my goal here is to learn as much as possible because I want to be able to go take that to others and say, Hey, look, what's possible. Look, look what can be done. It, it, that, uh, it's the most just satisfying thing in the world. Yeah. Um, I think there's different kinds of entrepreneurs and I think that you are the best kind because as knowledgeable as you are about so many different things and as like hungry as you are to learn, like you will never pretend to know something that you don't, which helps you learn that much more. Yeah. Like, when I first got started in this, I would go to conferences and I'd be sitting around, you know, CEOs of all these huge direct consumer companies or heads of marketing and they'd be rambling off these acronyms and talking about all these things with, you know, social media advertising and email marketing and all these things. And I would kind of sit back and almost be lost. Like, Oh my God, like AOV, what's that CPA? What's that? Like, I don't know what these words are, but I can't ask because Mm -hmm. I'm the CEO of a company and it's going to make me look like, I don't know what I'm doing. If I ask them what that is, do you know how much learning I missed out on from being embarrassed to ask that question? Uh, ungodly amounts <laughs> ungodly yeah and you are the type of person who would literally cut somebody off and be like hey i don't know what you just said can you repeat that can you say that in layman's terms and then you're like okay now i got it now i know now i understand what we're talking about and now i'm going to pull value out of this conversation because i know where we are whereas i was sitting back like all right just pretend nod your head pretend like you know what's going on um, and I've transitioned away from that now. Like if somebody's right. saying something, I don't, I'm like, yo, I, I don't know what you're talking about. Can you, can you repeat that? Can you say that in a different way? Um, but it took me a while to get there. But that's um, so attractive to people. And, and I mean, like is. just in a pure, like, I don't mean in a, uh, attractive in a sexual way, the way we no, say no, no, about, I know talk about it. And, yeah. Well, that's just how people perceive mm-hmm. that word in our culture. Um, when somebody is just purely genuine and it took me a long time to get to that point. I, I mean, I'm at this point. It's so funny, especially a lot of my wife's friends, um, her girlfriends, they'll be like, yeah, I would say you were just like the most like upfront person ever. They're like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like there is nothing there. You are not pretending about anything. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, but that took, took a long time to get to that point. Like I am very confident in who I am as a human being. If I don't know something, I don't know something. You know what I want to do? I want to find out what the hell yeah. you're talking about. Tell me. I want to know right. more. <laughs> like, Yeah, that's I finally kind of gotten to that point. Um, I think a part of it was like a deep rooted insecurity of like, I am young. I'm yeah. a young business owner. I'm around this group of people that are all older than me, been doing this longer. They know more. Their businesses are making more. Um, and almost like I wanted to put up this facade like, oh, yeah, we're the same. And we yeah. weren't the same. We're you not. know, I was I was young and learning. I was a new company. Um, there was nothing to be embarrassed about that I wasn't making as much money as them or that my business wasn't making as much money as them or that I didn't know as much as them. Um, who knows, man, if I didn't have that little like ego problem back then and I was asking the right questions in those scenarios, maybe I get to where I am now a year, two years earlier, right? 
Yeah, but the other side of that coin is if you didn't have that ego, which again, look, man, go to 22-year-old Yabitsa and that dude is a piece of shit (laughs) in so many different ways. I mean, I think I'd still a decent human, but man, oh man, was I just so douchey Um, in so many different ways. But part of that is the ego and the unjustifiable like you know sense of self mm-hmm. at that age is what drives you to think that like who are you at 22 or 23 or whatever the hell it is to start a like who do you think you are yeah. okay well you thought you were something that on one side of the coin helped you start a company quit a finance job but on the other side made you too embarrassed to ask the questions i so know it's, it's it's such a hard like would I go back in time and change those th- those things? I mean, probably honestly not, just no. because it got me to where I am. Exactly, and dude, if you if you would have asked me that question four years ago, I would have been like, yeah, I would go back and change so many things. I would change so many things because they would get me where I wanted faster. And now I'm like, no, nah, they probably wouldn't. I wouldn't be where I am if I didn't go through that. If I didn't have that ego issue. If I didn't pretend like I knew everything. Because then one day it just clicks, and it's like, bro, you're not progressing at the rate that you want and here is probably why right you're afraid to ask questions you're afraid to not know everything you're putting on this facade that you're this expert 23 year old ceo and in reality you're this novice kid who doesn't know shit about what he's doing but is confident enough in himself that he'll figure it out yeah but here's the deal you're gonna figure it out a lot quicker if you're willing to ask those questions and you're willing to to you know have some humility yeah, it's it's just I don't know. It's all so interesting. I've I've probably talked about this freaking book that I've just read like thirty times on the podcast at this point. But uh, former guest Dr. Ben Hardy wrote a book with uh, Dan Sullivan, uh, a CEO of Strategic Coach. It's called The Gap in the Gain. And go read the, the book. Gap it's in been, what? The Gap in the Gain. So I'm going to try to get Dr. Ben back on the podcast. But anyway, the the whole concept of it is is that entrepreneurs in particular who do generally have a high ego drive they continue to compare themselves against the gap rather than the gain. So let's say for easy math, you say, Hey, I want to make a hundred dollars this year. And at the end of the year, you make 80 bucks. Mm -hmm. What the entrepreneurial types tend to do is they tend to focus on the 20 bucks that they missed out on. What they ignore is the 80 bucks that they made. So that keeps you in a perpetual state of depression. Uh Uh-huh. You reached 80% of your goal, but you're focusing on the 20% that you missed. Right. Yeah, that's me, bro. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. And then you have psychopaths like me who are like, huh, if I want to make 100 and I know I'm probably going to get like 70 to 80%, how would I make my goal 150? Yeah. (laughs) So so, so then I get 110, which I crushed what I originally wanted, but like, Mm -hmm. golly, that 40, that last 40. So it's, it's been a good mental exercise for me after reading that book to catch myself every time I'm in the gap. And, yeah. and bring yourself into the game. And, and it's, it's made a huge, I can tell you right now, just in the last month, it's made a huge mental difference for me. Yeah, man. I'll tell you what. Um, I'm a very goal-driven person and I set my goals super high. Um, and I, I know that I'm setting them high, but I'm so confident that I'm going to reach them. And then when I don't, I'm so down on myself. Mm-hmm. And instead of looking and being like, you know, you doubled revenue from last year to this year. Like, that's great. Even through like a pandemic, we doubled revenue through a pandemic selling dress socks when everybody's working from home now. Right. right, That's not a, that's not a small feat, bro. That's, that's borderline impressive. Right. Um, But I was still so down on myself because I didn't hit the goal that I wanted. I didn't, Mm. I didn't hit that, you know, I don't like to talk financials 
other than percentages, but you know, for round numbers, let's just say, uh, I wanted a, a seven figure quarter, right. Mm -hmm. And I didn't reach it, but that year in total, I doubled my revenue from the previous yeah. and I doubled my revenue during a time where I couldn't get capital because we were right. in a pandemic. I doubled that while people weren't going to the office. I still found a way to double my business while people weren't going to the office. That's it's impressive. Yeah. But I didn't focus on that at all. I didn't focus right. on that at all. It wasn't until I think our Q4 meeting of last year when my board was the one that was looking at the financials and was like, wow, Kevin, you did really well through the first seven months of COVID. And I was like, oh, yeah. No, I did. Yes, I, I did. But I didn't do... I didn't do as well as I wanted. They're like, yeah, but you did really well. I'm like, uh, okay. So I've slowly gotten to that point where I look at the positives. I try and focus on the positives over the negatives. And I think that's another thing that has slowly propelled my business farther and farther. Um, I, I, there's I, this. Sorry, go ahead. Well, I was just, I was going to say, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I thought there was a gap there, but um, I can tell you right now, and I'm not telling you to go out and make a baby. That's not what I'm saying. But I, I will say becoming a dad, bro, like watching her figure out that she, that, that like that her feet are hers. <laughs> it's the most bananas thing ever. <laughs> You're like, holy shit. She just figured out that the things attached to her belong to her. And she's like holding it, like examining them. And it's like, you want to talk about a gap and a gain? Mm -hmm. Like yesterday, she literally didn't know she had feet. Now she's putting them in her mouth. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, this is unbelievable yeah oh, it just contextualizes man. things so much it does it 100 percent does um yeah i don't know man the the mindset the lifestyle what i focus on what i'm proud of is just night and day difference than what it was five years ago um I'm so content. Like you, you made this comment earlier that like you're so confident and comfortable in who you are now. And you were, you know, this little asshole when you were 23, but still a good dude. But there's just, you know, little things. I feel the exact same way, dude. It's like, I'm just not the same human I was five years ago and in only good ways in only good right. ways. I'm so much more confident and comfortable in myself. And that's what allows that ego to kind of, you know, dwindle away and will allow me to ask these questions um, to get answers to things that I don't know. It's like, you don't have to pretend to know everything. You don't have to pretend to be this expert. You don't have to focus on this 20% you didn't reach and instead focus on the 80% that you did and how impressive that is. And then set your next goal right. and move on and don't, you know, don't dwell on things. And I can't remember the last time this is going to sound shitty. I don't remember the last time I was stressed about work, man. Thank you. That is, I feel like I'm on freaking, Nar like I'm in Narnia sometimes. Yeah. I don't, I, my, my wife has a joke in our house. She's like, Yav, if you're stressed about something, I need you to be having like a full-blown panic attack. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like, I just don't, I, I'm, I'm curious about this though. Going back to the 22 year old, 23 year old shithead. Do you feel like you're significantly less petty now too? I don't think I was ever super petty, but yeah. Oh. Definitely less petty. I wouldn't say I was like extremely petty, but I would like hold. I would hold a grudge against and, like people or against yourself. Oh, against people. Like if I felt somebody wronged me. No, and, I was never like that. And it's like at this point, 
that's probably even more so like 18, 19, 20, not even like, 20. I, I feel like, I feel like I'd started, I started letting go by like 22, 23, but at this point I'm like, I, I just don't care. Yeah. My personality type, if somebody wronged me, I wouldn't be like, I can't believe they, they did that to me. I would almost like have an anxiety attack of like, what did I do mm. that allowed that to happen? And now like, I, dude, I was so, so worried and focused on like everybody liking me for the better part of my life. And now, and I'm talking like, I'm not talking like I would go out and I'd be like trying to make everybody like me. But if I felt like somebody didn't, I would almost like retreat inside myself and start doing this like inner monologue of like, all right, what did you do? What did you say? What is it about you that is making this person think this about you? And like deep down, I would know like they're wrong about me. Like they think I'm this and I know I'm not, but I would still be analyzing. Well, what did I do to put that vibe off? What did I do to make them feel that way? And now if somebody doesn't like me or if somebody says something rude or that rubs me the wrong way, it's out of my mind momentarily. I'm just like, ah, you don't really know who I am. You can have your thoughts. And I think that's such like a growth thing. That's something that just comes with time and experience and, and again, being comfortable in who you are and confident in yourself. But dude, night and day difference mentally for me of just like, huh, that's all right. Not everybody needs to like me. I know who I am. Um, And that transitions into business too. I think that's part of the reason why I'm now focusing more on the positive sides than the negative sides. Because shit goes wrong. Things go wrong, dude. When I was in, I was in Italy for two weeks and then Greece for a week. And over that three weeks working from a laptop, which you know is just... 1000% 1000% less efficient than your office setup with multiple right. monitors right. and whatever. Right. All of a sudden I wake up on like day two or three and I get an email from my fulfillment team that we have 375 packages lost in the mail. Oh shit. And of most of those packages, they all contained a sock that we were really low on or a, an item that we were really low on quanti- uh, inventory wise. And now we're out of them. So we can't even replace them by sending out new ones. So I've got to go through an email. I've got to figure out which packages are lost, email all these people that ordered them, explain to them what happened, that we're out of this and we're going to do our best to you know, fix it. You can pick another sock. We can ship it when it's back in stock. We can refund you, whatever. If that happened to me five years ago, I would be freaking out. Oh, right. the world is crashing down on me. And at that moment, I was just like, it's not much I can do. I'm going to do my best to remedy this for all of my customers um, make them as happy as I can. I will order more inventory. It'll get here when it gets here. Huge, huge mindset shift. That would have ruined my vacation if I was on vacation five years ago. Well, but think about this. I, I always use the example of like, uh, tests in college. So I didn't understand this even in college, like people who stressed about tests. I was there like, dude, like the test is coming, whether you stress about it or not. Like it will happen. So like you can either study or not. Those are your mm-hmm. two options, not stress or not. Yeah. And I, I, I'm trying to remember what, because I feel like that's a pretty, that's a revelation to get at a pretty young age. For mm-hmm. me, I'm try, I, I don't know what caused me to realize that, but it was, I mean, I'm sure it was something, but every, yeah, like the same deal with, with that scenario, you can either fix the problem or you can freak out about it. Yeah. It's almost, yeah. I don't know. That's, that's a very mature thought at that age. It's like, I can't fix, I can't change this, but I can fix it and I can fix it by studying. Right. Stressing about it isn't going to fix it. 
I was the type who could get 100% on every homework assignment and project, and then the test rolls around and I get anxious and I end up getting a 60. Mm. Um, and it was very much just like, a, oh, now the pressure's on. Now it's a test. Mm. Well, you know, I'm taking homework home and I'm doing it in five minutes and I'm getting 100 and I'm not looking at the book and I'm not cheating on Google. Right. So what's different than that? You know, what's different from that and sitting in a room answering the same questions at the end of the semester? Nothing. Except for right. the, except for the, uh, you know, the anxiety of this is a test. It's worth X amount more. I don't get to retake this. I can't look things up if I need to, but I never looked things up at home anyway. Like, right, right. You just did. You, yeah, I it, just that's, did it. I did it, and I did it right, and I understood it. And then, boom, test comes around, and this anxiety, the stress comes in, and it goes back to that kind of inner monologue of you know not being confident that I knew it. Just like when I was 22, I wasn't confident in who I was. So when people didn't like me, I stressed about it, you know? Mm. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's for, for me, it came with age. Um, you've always been wise beyond your years. Um, so to hear that that was your thought at 18 isn't a surprise to me. Um, but it certainly wasn't my thought. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just, I don't know. It's just interesting. I think back, and there's obviously other things that I like. It took me a long, I would say the pettiness thing is a, is I was a late mature on that front, mm -hmm. in my opinion. So it's, it's always this constant battle of how do you find balance in your life and how do you find a way to approach your problems that are both effective, yeah. but also won't, you know, make you hate your life on that front. Right. And yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting because sometimes I forget how weird a lot of the stuff that I do is like a podcast. Like I get co to, like complete strangers. I mean, some episodes like this, like we've got a, you know, we've got a relationship, so this is an easy conversation. But a lot mm -hmm. of times it's like, I've talked to you for like five minutes on the phone once. And now I'm going to like, I'm just going to ask you questions about whatever the hell I feel like, because there's no yeah. preset questions. And that's kind of insane when you think about it. When you like yeah, really it think about it, it's a little crazy. It absolutely is. Um, yeah, I think a lot of this goes back to like, <clears throat> as humans, we we always feel like we should have everything figured out. Right. And I even remember being like, <clears throat> I was in high school and one of my friend's brothers was now in college. He was probably, you know, 19, 20, sophomore, whatever. And I just remember like looking at him and being like, man, he doesn't really have his life figured out. And like when I'm his age, like I'm going to have my life figured out. I'm going to know exactly Psych. who I am. I'm going to be so confident. I'm going to be doing so well. And this and that. And then you get to that age and you're like, nope, I don't know what I'm doing. And nobody around me knows what I'm doing. But when I'm 25, that's when I'll know what I'm doing. That's when I'll know who I am. I'll have the world figured out. And then you hit 25 and you're like, well, nope, I don't know what I'm doing. And nobody around me knows what they're doing. But by 30, by 30, I'll have it figured out. And then by 30, you realize nobody ever knows what the fuck they're doing. Right. And they're never gonna. We are constantly growing. We are constantly learning. We are constantly changing. And that's not a bad thing. That's actually a good thing, but that's not how you look at it when you're right. young. Right. And it's, again, n not to just constantly take it back to becoming a dad this year, but like, you, then you have a kid and you realize, holy shit, my parents had no idea what they were. They were winging mm -hmm. this whole thing. Yeah. It's always funny to me when I watch like grandmas and grandpas of, you know, my parent, my, sorry, my friend's parents right. watch them take care of their kid and like, my friends will be like so worried about this and that and the food and the sleep time and this and that. And, and their parents are like, 
we just like won it with you and you turned out great. So calm right. down. Everything's going to be okay. You know? And it's like, you, you look at your parents and you're like, well, when they had me, they right. had a house, they had steady jobs, they had their life figured out. And then when you're in their position, they're like, no, we didn't, we didn't know what we were doing. We had no clue, dude. Yeah. It, it, yeah. It's just interesting because like, obviously my kid, she's only eight months, so she's not old enough really to understand I mean, she knows who her parents are, but she doesn't like consciously think about it yet. And she knows uh, what her feet are now. Yeah, she does know what her feet are now. She uh, also has teeth, which that's no fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but like at some point, I'm going to be her hero mm-hmm. and perfection. And, you know what I mean? All those things. And it's like, who child? Boy, oh boy, is your is your old man a shithead? Yeah. And I, and I still look at my dad as that. Yeah, it's I mean, <clears throat> You want to talk about the money thing, like why you want money? Like I'm taking my dad on a trip here in a couple of weeks, just him and I, and it's really cool to be in a position to be able to call my dad and be like, "Hey, you want to go to DC?" Yeah, not, not like, yeah, not like, can you afford? Can you like, like? No, I'm like, just give me the dates and I'll book the hotel right now. Mm-hmm. And that's, yeah, that's 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 cool. That's yeah. that's that's what motivates me to like get my teeth kicked in by cold calling people or by like dealing just with like the bureaucracy of companies when I'm trying to sell them or like this development, like all, all the nightmare scenarios that could come out of it or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what gets you pumped up is like, yeah, I can do that. And I want to, and I will. Yeah. I told my mom when I was like 13 that I was going to buy her a lake house in Austin because she loves Austin. That's like my number one goal right now. Is is buy her a lake house. Mm-hmm. Well, you picked a terrible place from a appreciation standpoint. <laughs> you picked like one yeah. of the hottest markets in the in the country. Well, you know that was 19 years ago. What did I know? <laughs> I know, right? Right. You could have bought that lake house for like 250 back then. Now it's yeah. like at a one in front of that too. Yeah. Sorry, mom. It might not be Austin, but you're getting a lake house <laughs> at some point. <laughs> well, all right. So, so how can folks get a hold of you? Like, what's what's the Get, give the give the pitch. You know what? What are you trying to do? Are you trying to get on any more interviews? Are you trying to share your story more? How can people get a hold of Southern Scholar? What can they buy, etc.? Yeah, man, I I love sharing my story. So if anybody out there ever wants to do interviews, conversations, podcasts, whatever, um, you can reach out to me at Kevin at SouthernScholar dot com. Um, if you're interested in our products, um, we literally make the best dress socks in the world. That's not just me saying that with a bias. They're my uh, favorite also, dress socks. No, no yeah. BS. No, they're incredible, man. They really are. Um, and I think one thing that differentiates me from a lot of other startups and CEOs is like every time we ship out a product, I feel like my name is on it. Mm. Like if it gets delayed in the mail because of the shipping carrier, that's not my fault, but I still feel responsible that you're waiting eight days for a pair of socks. If you get a pair and it's faulty, it's got a hole in it or, you know, a, a misplaced thread or whatever, that's that's my team. They didn't QC it, but that's me at the end of the day. I feel like my name's on it. So I don't sell a product that I'm not proud of. And I really do believe that our socks are the best socks on the market, bar none. Um, our ties and pocket squares are incredible as well. 100% Italian silk, handmade, hand-rolled uh, by a family artisan in Italy that has been handmaking ties and pocket squares for over 65 years. Um, so if mm-hmm. you're interested in any of those, you can find them at southernscholar.com. Um, but I do also want to mention, Yavitsa and I are planning on launching a podcast. It's been, it's been a, a hot a year since we coming. came up with the idea. It has. Um, 
but we've got the logo. We're ready to roll at some point here. Um, now that, you know, my time is opening up a little bit more. We really oh. should just like schedule like three episodes and just yeah, go just to and just have them ready. Night. I yeah. agree. We should just so, yeah. do that. Hopefully we'll get that rolling. And then I've, I've got another podcast um, coming out called The Struggle. And it's basically taking all of these business podcasts where they're interviewing, you know, CEOs and industry leaders and, and heads of marketing and CMOs and COs and all these guys. Um, all these business podcasts, I feel, focus so much on the, wow, you right. made it to 10 million in revenue and this is incredible and this and that. The struggle is going to be about what were the first years like when when nobody knew the name of your company yet yet you're putting in all this time what was that like um what struggles what trials and tribulations did you go through and then the theme of the podcast is going to be at the end of it you're going to kind of tell us what your goal is so hmm. if you're a creator maybe it's uh, i want to get to 100,000 followers or i want to sign on three you know major brand deals this year if you're a business maybe it's i want my first million dollar quarter or my first 10 million dollar year and then when you hit that goal you reach back out to us and you come back on the podcast for an episode Ooh, two and like you explain that. what changes you made in your business and your lifestyle etc things that you learned that got you from where you were first time to where you are now to how you reach that goal i love that um, so i think that'll be a cool concept to kind of get the story behind you know all these companies that isn't just well all of a sudden we were making five million dollars and we were selling out every week and everything was you know you know gravy i want the the real story of the entrepreneur and the and the struggles that you went through right um, i love so that. that that'll be a very fun um experience for me so if anybody out there listening owns a business or you know feels like they'd be a good fit for that podcast feel free to reach out to me as well i mean i can um, just this is a side note, but I, I feel like I can introduce you to like 20 people. Oh, yeah. I was going to ask for your Rolodex. <laughs> so I, I feel like I feel like that's a, that's an easy ask. Yeah. Um, Who knows? Well, maybe you'll maybe you'll be episode one. Well, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Um, all right. Well, Kevin, I appreciate you coming on. Always fun. Always a pleasure. Uh, we actually had to reschedule last week because we, we were about to start recording and a tornado warning hit here in Nashville. And I was like, ah, shit, I, I actually have to take these seriously now. Um so I, I appreciate your patience Gosh, sorry, and you I look forward there. to putting this out. And again, for everybody, info at workwithyob.com. Can you hear me? If you've got questions, you want to holler at your boy, LinkedIn is a good way to get a hold of me as well. Uh, constructive criticism only. Don't just complain. Offer a solution. And outside of that, again, thanks for coming on. And this was fun.